Praise the Lord. Well, the title for this morning is Crossing the Jordan. So we had that word so many times about marching. <laughs> well, we've got a bit of marching this morning <laughs> in the word. We're going to be covering the word quite a lot this morning. And um, I had to send a message to Anne a couple of days ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. I've got to twiddle my scriptures around me because God's gone and twiddled them around for me. So we're not starting with the one I wanted to. And then even down... Um, Chris, I think, put a, a notice there after the prayer breakthrough. <laughs> Last night, my daughter and I sat and watched a film called Breakthrough. And if you've never seen it, I can recommend it. It's a true testimony of a boy who died and God raised him from the dead. Hallelujah. Amen. We need a bit of that. Amen. Jean recently told me about John praying for someone on a dump in South Africa. He was raised from the dead. Amen. Wow, Lord, we don't want it other places we want it here do we believe that God can do infinitely abundantly more than we can ask or imagine hallelujah so we want to cross the Jordan this morning that's where we're starting so but we're going to start in John 10 10 hopefully on the screen let's say that together the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Who's I in there? Jesus. I'm going to ask you again. Who's the I in there? You're still not sure. Who's the I in there? Jesus. Thank you. Has come that you may have life and life abundantly. Now, I don't know all of you in this place or whoever's on Zoom, but the first question is, did you ever receive life in abundance? Have you ever met Jesus for the first time in your life? And it's like meeting the, the love of your life for the first time and you're so giddy and excited and he fills you with the abundant life because you fall in love with someone called Jesus. Well, if you've never had that experience, I want to say to you this morning, if you're watching or here today, don't leave this room or off that without meeting with Jesus today, because that's the first and foremost. But then I also want to ask you, you know, you've had that experience where you were giddy and you were so excited, but as you've gone on in your Christian life, maybe that abundant life has diminished a bit. I don't know. I hope you're all excited and full of him but let's be honest we have times in our lives and I was laughing you know when I was little my favorite time was bonfire night and we lived in a, a street in Liverpool called Geraint Street and they used to have a bonfire at the bottom, bottom of the street but my favorite thing my dad would buy us a box of fireworks and I would spend the week before going through every firework deciding which was going to go first and which ones we wanted to see and then every so often you'd pick it and it'd go, <laughs> and you'd be like, oh, I'd planned this all week and it's gone. <laughs> Is our life like that? Or are we a Roman candle that keeps giving and giving and giving? Well, if we're feeling a bit like that, the damp squib, I hope by the end of today, you start becoming that Roman candle. Right, the Lord promised the children of Israel to bring them into the promised land, a land of milk and honey. And I believe this morning, I'm going to use this example for us today, because you know, 
all the, the Old Testament, you know, a lot of people become a Christian, they don't touch the Old Testament. But the Old Testament are pictures of signs pointing us to Jesus, pointing to the life that we can have. So do not neglect the Old Testament. There's so many riches in there. So we're going to look in Numbers chapter 13, 1 to 2. And the Lord spoke to Moses and he said, send men out to spy the land of Canaan, which I am giving you. I am giving you. Okay. From each and every tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader, and go and spy out the land. So let's face it, the Lord has promised now, I am giving you. What has the Lord promised you this morning to give you? What has he said he's going to give you? Well, we've just read one of them, abundant life and life in abundance. That is one of the things he has promised. But, you know, maybe the Lord's promised you a husband, a wife, a child. Maybe he's promised you a ministry, a church. What has God promised you this morning? And I often give, it was so funny, um, we run a ladies group, and I often give this analogy at our ladies conference about the million pound note. And this lady brought me some million pound notes. And she said, Susan, I've got some million pound notes that were printed for the coronation. And on the back is the gospel. Now, I've got two friends this morning, Matthew and Theo, who've got some million pound notes to give out. So maybe you can just spread them a bit around your side and give people a million pound note. Wow, who wants a million pound note? Put your hand up and let the lads see you. Let them give you a million pound note this morning. Are you quite excited? Who's rushing off to the the bank on Monday? Do you think they're going to cash it in for you? But it's an analogy I use very often. And I was so excited when she gave me this. Because you see, God has given you a million promises and more. But you see, what we often do is we put those promises on a bookshelf. And it gets a bit dusty and a bit worn. And you don't do much with it. Now, a million pound note is great. And you can put it on your mantelpiece and say, I'm a millionaire. I've got a million pound note. And you can dance and shout. But if you don't take it and put it in the bank, it's not worth a penny. And I want to suggest to you this morning, you may dance and shout. And it was a fantastic time of worship this morning. Thank you, Matthew and Theo. It was fantastic. But when you get home, does it go back on the shelf? Does the promises of God go stale in your life? Are you only an abundant life Christian here in this room? Or do you go home and live that abundant life? Because it's not meant for just this room. Well, the Lord had promised the Israelites, I'm giving you that land. So go out and spy the land. So they went out. And so what did the spies say? They come back and they said, oh, there's huge grapes. Now, I would love, I love grapes. They said, They had to carry them between two poles. I've got this wonderful vision of them carrying this huge bunch of grapes back from the promised land. But there's giants in the land. There's cities that are large and fortified. And we were like grasshoppers. And they could see we were like grasshoppers. So you've got this wonderful land. Don't forget, God's promised it. And what did they come back and say? There's giants. Is the enemy saying in your head this morning, that promise I gave, that God gave you, 
it's a bit too big for you. Maybe you don't deserve it. Maybe you can't reach it. <laughs> I'm looking for any green legs this morning. Have we got any grasshoppers in this room this morning that don't believe that their God is bigger than the problems? Because if God has promised you something, do not doubt. You see, God doesn't say, I've made a promise and it's going to come in 30 seconds. Um, just wait for it. He doesn't always give you a time limit. You know, I think I shared with you last time, we waited for our baby six years. You know, and, and I was believing from day one, I have to tell you. And I couldn't understand why the baby didn't come after a year, after two years, after three years, after five years. Why I had to wait six years? But I think I remember telling you, when I went in to have Ruth, there was a lady there. On that day, you had to see the miracle God had done. So God's timing is better than ours. So don't, at the beginning, it says the thief comes to steal. That's what Satan does. And do you know where the biggest ground for stealing is? Here. And a friend of mine, he's a great um, teacher of the word, Keith Mason. He had a little saying. He says, very often, reason stabs revelation in the back. God will give you a promise, a revelation of something he wants you to do. And along comes those thoughts and you reason it out and they've stabbed you in the back. I want you to go to Bible college. I want you to go and preach my word. Yes, I'll go. Yes, I'll go. Oh, but what about the kids? What about the good job I've just got? Now I'm saying that because we've got a real life testimony sitting at the back. Give a wave, Alex. My wonderful... Brother in Christ is more like a child in Christ, really. I've shared his testimony here. You know, God called him to go to Bible college. He went over to Canada by faith. They came back. And then it got comfortable, didn't it, Alex? We got the family. We got the really good job. It got comfortable. Well, praise God, it got very uncomfortable a few weeks ago when we went to a church. God said, Alex, what did I call you to do? They're going to Bible college by faith. They're going in September. They haven't got a house to go to. They haven't got the finance to go to. But they're going. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you have had that stolen, that promise, it can come back. Don't doubt. So... What is it saying? 2 Corinthians 1.20, we've had this. This is what I love about God. He knows all my scriptures and you've all said them. For all the promises of God in him, and who's him? Oh, you really got to learn to answer me. Who is him? Yes, Jesus. In Jesus are yes and amen. And why? So we can become rich, so we can be famous? No, to the glory of God. To the glory of God through us. That's why God promises us things. Because we need to give him the glory. Never touch the glory, folks. <laughs> Always give it back to him. Right, so we go on a bit more. And Caleb, so there were 10 spies, 12 spies. 10 of them, oh, it's awful. There's giants, there's this. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua, came back and said, no. Caleb said, let's go at once and take possession. Because we can overcome them. You see, are we overcomers this morning? Or are we grasshoppers? 
Are we overcomers? You see, there's an expression. It says, under the, people will say, how are you? Well, under the circumstances, I'm all right. No, brothers and sisters, let's be over those circumstances. Let's not be under them. Because in Christ Jesus, we can be over any circumstance. So we move into Numbers 14, 6 to 9. And Joshua then comes. And the two of them come and they rent their clothes. They're so frustrated that God has given them a promise and they won't listen. They're looking at the giants. They're becoming grasshoppers. And they say, look, the land we pass through to spy is, is a land flowing in milk and honey. Let's go up. If God delights in us, he'll give it us. And those people, they're just our bread. We can have them. Don't worry about it because their protection has departed because God has said this is our land. Do not fear. Joshua's attitude was if God is for us, we can do it. Who can be against us? Romans 8. If God is for us, we can do it. If God is for you this morning, don't let reason come and tell you you're not able. And you see, he said another thing that was interesting. He said, do not rebel against the Lord. You know, in the scripture, it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And what do we know about witchcraft? It's an abomination to God. In Hebrews 3, 7 to 11, we read, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Now, this is for all of us here today. Don't do what the Israelites did. Do not harden your hearts as it is in the day of rebellion. In the day of trial, you see, the Lord had sent the trial. Why? To test our faith so that it would come up like pure gold. Amen. But they didn't pass this test, unfortunately, this time around. Where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works for 40 years. Who gets fed in the desert with quail falling at their feet? Bread from heaven. And then they come and it's, oh, cue the dramatic music. Oh, why didn't we die in Egypt? Why did you bring us here to be killed by giants? Why couldn't we die in the wilderness? You know, that could be us. How many of us, when God has done so much in our lives and a problem comes along and it's, oh Lord, why have you let this happen? Oh, if only you didn't let, you know, I can put my hand, I've had pity parties and then the Lord comes along and I have to give myself a good talk. Susan, what are you talking about? Look what God's done for you. Shove it away. And, and just a very recent testimony, you know, my husband has been diagnosed with a really serious heart condition and he can't do what he used to do. So I've had to take some of the physical things outside and we're daft enough. We're a bit like the goods, you know, in uh, that program. We sort of have our own produce grown. It. And I'm thinking, Lord, I cannot do this. And I'm saying to him, should we get a gardener? No, we'll be OK as I'm moving 40 barrels of poo onto the, the garden. But, you know, every morning I'd get up and I'd start, oh, Lord, I'm so tired. I just can't do it. And then the word of God would come in. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I can testify today. Jean will testify to it. A few years ago, I could not have done that physically. I've had lots of physical things that have attacked me at times. Praise God. I am able to do it. Now, I can't say my back's not aching and I'm a bit weary, but God has allowed me to do it. But I'll tell you why, because of the word of God. 
I couldn't do it unless I declared it first. And I'd go out with my barrow thinking, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Amen. And then after I've done it, I'm like, wow, Lord, how did I manage it? Because Christ strengthens me. You know, often, and, and they always laugh at me, I get so nervous when I'm preaching, I'm thinking, Lord, it'll be rubbish. No one will get anything from it. And, and then afterwards, I think, wow, Lord. And it's only because Christ within me. It's never me, folks. <laughs> me, I wouldn't have me if I was you. Because <laughs> I know me. But thank the Lord, he uses those weak vessels. Hallelujah. You see, Joshua continues, the Lord is with us. But you see, unfortunately, their God was bigger than the giants. And so they didn't enter the promised land. Now, that's sobering as a Christian. If God has promised you something and you give up, you're not going to enter the rest. Scripture doesn't lie. So you don't want that. So let's get back to finding out how we can enter those promises. In 1 John 4, 4, it says, you are of God, little children. You have overcome them. Because he, who's he? Jesus, who is in you, is greater than he who is in the world. You see, so often we make our God small. And we think, well, Lord, you know, that's a pretty big thing to ask me to do. I mean, what's going to happen? No, let's get to be Joshua's. But as I say, the people wouldn't listen. They began to complain. Off they went back into the wilderness. They didn't enter the promised land because they decided to listen to the bad report. Sisters and brothers, don't listen to the bad report. Don't listen to Satan if he's whispering in your ear today. Whatever it is that God has called you and promised you, believe on it. So through faith, we have to enter that promised land. I just thought out of interest, audience participation, can you shout out a couple of promises out of this word? Your favourite promise. Anyone got a favourite promise? Amen, sister. Amen. Any more? Amen, Matthew. Any more? I put you on the spot, haven't I? Amen. Amen. There is so many. I've just thought of a couple of my favorites with a few testimonies. One of them is Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through God who strengthens me. That has been my current one. And then a few weeks ago, God um, just, oh, I love the way he does this. I'd been having a really tough time. People have been talking at me and accusing me of things and and I was getting a bit, Lord, what's going on here? I feel like I'm under attack. And the Lord brought me into Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Amen. And then a bit further on in the same chapter, in verse 37. Yet in all these things, we are more than... Amen. Through who? Who loved us. And then at the end of the chapter, it says... Height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from what? Through Christ Jesus. Funnily enough, that man is in everything, isn't it? Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Christ Jesus. They're my oh, wonderful promises. These are the promises of God. But you see, if you don't read this, you're not going to know them. 
if you rely on your pastor to live your Christian life, it's not going to get you very far. You need your personal walk with Jesus Christ. So we could add our own current situations. What can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus? My current situation, my money problems, my fear, my loneliness. Maybe the list is going on for you. What's separating you from that love this morning? Is there anything separating you from the love of God through Christ Jesus this morning? Okay. We're going to look in Joshua now, who I believe gives us a template to enter into the promises of God. So if we go to Joshua 1, 7 to 9, I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to give you a summary of the things I believe will help us enter into the promises of God. And the first one is be strong. It came out again. Be strong and very courageous and do what it says in the word. That's me paraphrasing. <laughs> be strong and very courageous. You know, my, one of my favorite scriptures is 2 Timothy 1.7. Does anyone know it? For God has not given us a spirit of, but of, and love and a sound mind. Amen. When my children started school, I, used, I wrote this out on a little card. I put it in their blazer pocket and I said, if you ever have a day where you're feeling a bit fearful, if something's happening in school, go to the toilet, get your scripture out and proclaim it. And they did. Often. And they know, I mean, that is one of their go-to scriptures. They know it. They were brought up on the practical word of God. You see, it's not just words. You know, in Ephesians, it tells us the word of God is what? The sword of the spirit. The only offensive weapon is the word of God. And we've got to use it. And you know, I, I, must, I, I think I've told you before, I'm very demonstrative in my prayer time. And when those thoughts come at me, I'm like, right, 2 Corinthians 10, I'm going to cast down those thoughts and I stamp on them. I say, get out. I'm not going to let you get in there. You're rubbish, Susan. No, God loves me. Get out in Jesus' name. You can't do that. Yes, I can in Jesus' name. Use the sword of the Spirit. And I tell you, you feel better. Immediately. It works. I, we had a sister this week who came and we were talking about the Word of God. And, and I'd said to her many years ago, I said, you know, there's an answer for every problem you might have in the word. And she started that. She said, well, Susan, this is a bit of a funny one that I need an answer for. I said, well, what is it? She said, well, and it was all to go to land that they had, whether it was theirs going to court. And I, and I was thinking, oh, Lord, I don't know. I said, look, I said, there's always a word. So I said, well, pray, go home. She rang me up so excited the next day. She said, it's there. It's in Matthew. It says, go and settle your account quickly. <laughs> and she did. And the others didn't, and they lost out. You see, God's word is faithful. And then another sister, and we, we were laughing at this the other day. She was in um, a house, she was in a safe house on her own, and she was frightened of scarecrows because she'd watched some weird film when she was younger. And she said, Susan, I was there, and I was praying to God, Lord, I was surrounded by scarecrows. Now, you might not know, I've never known this, but she said she went into her Bible, and there it was, I think, did you say it was Isaiah? Do not be afraid of scarecrows. I said, I have never read that in my Bible. But let me tell you, it's because she had an NIV. And it was only in the NIV. In mine, it says cucumbers or something similar. But you see, God knew she needed a different translation. 
And it took the fear away. She was shouting it out while she was there. You see, God's word is faithful. And it's funny sometimes. You know, there is a scripture for every circumstance because it is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And if we put that sword down, do you know what? We're going to get defeated. We're going to get pummeled because we're not using the weapons. We were talking this morning. It was all about marching. It was all about, use, you know, marching and having faith. And the message this morning is that we've got to fight Christians. You know, sometimes, and please don't think I'm being offensive, but sometimes we're a bit of a blob in church and we expect God to do everything for us. You know, I want this. Do this to me, Lord. Do that to me, Lord. He's given you the answers. And the promises are yes and amen in who? In Christ. He's done it all. It's like that million pound note. He has done it all at the cross. He has done it all. But you see, what we have to do is take it and walk in it. And so many people struggle because they don't. And, you know, we've got to get that into us. We've got to use the word of God. The second thing is don't get distracted. And someone again prayed this this morning. I think it was the prophecy, actually. Don't get distracted from the calling of God. Don't turn to the left or the right. And we do that. It's a bit like, oh, squirrel, let's go that way. (laughs) No, if God has got us on a trajectory, stay on it. We once went to Spring Harvest many, many years ago, and we heard a lovely man of God called Alan Redpath, and he was talking about Jesus, the man of prayer. And it was the most amazing, amazing. Afterwards, the Lord just performed his works in front of us. It was incredible. But one of the things he said was very often people miss the miracle because they don't wait for the promise of God. And he said very often that's in marriage, that you're desperate to get married, you're desperate for the right partner in life, and you meet this beautiful non-Christian, you think, well, Lord, you know, maybe I can bring them to you. And they get married, and then it's a constant battle because you got light and dark, because you're unequally yoked. We could use that in lots of other circumstances. And we miss the miracle. Well, I did promise you last time, I was going to tell you the testimony of me and my husband. And this is one of those that is applicable. Don't miss the miracle. And, you know, I was 13 when I got born again. And the Lord gave me a very strange word that I'd never heard anyone say. And he said, Susan, I don't want you to go out with anyone. I want you to wait for the man who asked you to marry you. He's the man I want you to marry. And I thought, that's a strange thing. I'm not interested in getting married at the moment. And then as I grew older into teenage years and all my friends were going out, I was thinking, well, Lord, wait, maybe that. No, what did I say to you? Went through teenage years, went to do my nursing. And I mean, I've got literally some very funny stories. I won't take the time today where God protected me in this area. I have to say, in very much naivety, we, in fact, I will tell you this because it is very funny. We, I was, when I was in my midwifery and we had this most gorgeous, handsome registrar from Egypt. And he was actually a prince in his own land, would you believe? Everyone was swooning over him. And this one shift, I was on a late shift and he'd come on the shift and he said to me, Susan, do you know any French restaurants in Blackpool? And I thought, a strange question. I said, yeah. He said, will you show me after work? I said, yeah, if you want to. And I'm carrying on, I'm thinking... That's a bit strange, Lord. I'd have to get the bus home if I take him to the restaurant. So I I drew him a map. And after my shift, I said, look, I'd have to get the bus home. So I've drawn your map. Here's how to get to the French restaurant. Well, I went home to my flat and Pauline said, Susan, he was asking you out. 
He said, are you an idiot or what? She said, the, the most wanted man in this hospital and you've just given him a map to get to a French restaurant. But you know, that was my God because I'd have probably fallen for him because he was handsome. He was rich. He was everything you could dream of. But you see, God made me an idiot and I gave him a map on a paper towel. That's how you get to the... He must have thought, what's she giving me a map how to get to the French restaurant? But you see, that's my God. He protected me. I've got a couple like that. It was really funny how God would protect me. But he gave me this promise. Anyhow, I went to Blackpool. And I think I shared with you before, I wanted to go to the Pentecostal church. The Lord had other ideas. He sent me to this C of E church that I thought, what on earth am I doing here, Lord? I don't know why you've sent me here. This isn't what I wanted. The Lord said, this is where I've sent you. One night, we're in the service. And the Lord said, turn round, the man you're going to marry has walked in. So I turned round and Neil walked into the back of church and I thought, oh, he's quite nice, Lord. Yeah, I quite like him. <laughs> well, I went to mes- meet him after and I thought, oh, no, Lord, he's a proud pig. No, <laughs> no, he's not the man for me. He laughs at this, by the way. Anyhow, we sort of met and he said he'd come to the church because he liked this other girl who wore this fur coat. And I thought, oh, no, no, this isn't the man for me. Well, we didn't walk or fellowship in the same sort of spheres at all. But God said he was going to be the man that would ask me to marry him. Anyhow, I think I shared how I went to Israel. And before I went, Neil came round with some money for me. And he said, the Lord told me I had to bring you this money for going to Israel. And I said, oh, that's lovely. Sit down. We'll have a cup of coffee. And he sat down and he started talking about how God had been showing him in the Old Testament, how he actually directed them to their wives. And I'm thinking, (laughs) I've never heard anyone say this, Lord. And I'm thinking, maybe it's now. Anyhow, I went off to Israel thinking when I come back, he'd be waiting. He'd moved. He'd moved to a little village outside of Blackpool. And I'm thinking, are you sure, Lord, he was the one that you promised? A little bit went by and the Lord said one day, I want you to take him a plant. He's just moved into his new house. I said, I've never run after another man in my life, Lord, and I'm not starting now. He said, Susan, take a plant. I can remember it to this day. It was a little African violet in a glass bowl. So I went and knocked on his door, and this is exactly what, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, I brought you a plant. Oh, you might as well come in then. <laughs> well, we were chatting, and he said, well, I'll tell you what, if you want, you can come back next week, I'll make your tea for you. I said, oh, all right. I thought, well, we can cook. <laughs> went back the following week, frozen fish fingers, <laughs> frozen chips, frozen peas, none of it cooked in the middle, and for afters, ice cream that was warm. I thought, no, he can't cook, Lord. So I said, I tell you what, I'll come back the week after and I'll make your tea for you. Oh, all right, if you want to. Well, I got ready to take all my stuff and I used to live in the nurse's home with a friend of mine, Barbara. Wasn't a Christian. I said, oh, I'm going to see Neil. He said, oh, who's Neil? I said, oh, he's going to ask me to marry him tonight. She went, Susan, you're bonkers. That just doesn't happen. He said, she says, you're not going out with him. I said, I know, but God's going to ask him to ask me to marry him tonight. Oh, you're just bonkers. That just doesn't happen. Go, go. I don't want to talk to you. Anyhow, I get to, we're on the first one. I get to the bottom. She shouts out the window. Just in case it does, she said, whatever time, knock on my door. Okay. So off I go at my spaghetti bolognese. Must have been something in it. I don't know. We went for a walk in Lytham and he held my hand and I thought, oh, if he asks me out, Lord, that's it. He's not the right man. He's got to ask me to marry him. So we come back to his little bungalow and I said, now, before you say a word, we've got to pray. And he went, oh, okay, we'll pray. 
So we prayed, and I said, what did God say? He said, will you marry me? I said, yeah. <laughs> and we got married 10 weeks later by faith. I fell in love with him a year later, because I can tell you that year was hard. <laughs> I didn't know him. <laughs> and we've been married 38 years this year. Do not deviate if God has promised you something. His arm is not too short to deliver it. And everyone was gobsmacked. The funniest was his mum. We went to tell his mum and she said, but Neil, I don't know this girl. How can you marry someone? And you seem a nice girl, but I've never met you. You can't marry someone you've never met. He said, God's told us, mum. Well, he had more faith than me because he had no idea he was going to say that. But he said when we prayed, he knew that he knew he had to say it. He knew so convincingly. I think he's regretted it sometimes. But <laughs> no, I'm teasing you. So do not go from the left to the right. If God has promised you something, he will perform it. And then the third thing, he said, meditate on the word night and day and keep it in your heart and your mouth okay well says in Deuteronomy 30 14 but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it Romans 10 8 says but what does it say the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach this is so important folks so so important that we keep the word of God in our mouth Amen and in our heart now when I was I always take it off with Ruth my daughter and say well, is this going to be all right and she said mum just make sure you say it's not under the law so when it says to keep the law obviously we're not talking about the Jewish law or 619 rules or a bit more of it we're talking about the Bible all 66 books let's get into the word and if it tells us something Let's keep it in our heart. And anything in your heart, Jesus says, whatever goes in is going to come out, isn't it? So if you've got the word of God in your heart, it's going to come out. It's got nowhere else to go. And you're going to speak it out without realising. You know, one of my favourite, the other day, I started getting a cold. And I thought, oh, Lord, I'm speaking on something. What if I lose? And immediately, what's a verse? Because you see, this is how I learn verses. If something happens in my life and God gives me a verse, I write it on a post-it. I stick it everywhere in my house and as I go around, I speak it out, I speak it out and eventually I memorise it. Well, I started getting this and I suddenly went, right Lord, bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul and do not forget his promises. I'm paraphrasing. He forgives all my iniquities, he heals all my diseases and he redeems my life from destruction. And he crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. So I started that day. Well, praise the Lord, I am got a cold. <laughs> praise the Lord. We have to know the word of God. We have to put it into action. 
You know, one of my favourite all-time heroics of the faith is Smith Wigglesworth. And I'm sure many of you have heard of him. And on YouTube, there's a guy, and it's so surreal, really, because he, he says it himself. You'd think, why do people want me to come and talk about a man? You'd think it was glorifying him. But he said, actually, as I talk about his life, it glorifies Jesus. And I have to say it did. And I was, oh, they were fantastic. I was listening. And one of the things he brought out was he would not read a newspaper. He would not read a book. The only thing he read was this, the word of God. So maybe when we're thinking, oh, I wish I had a ministry like him. I wish I could do. Do you know what his secret was? The word of God. If you want to move in those miracles, if you want to see God move mightily, get into the word. Let it become part of you. Because you see, as well, there's a little scripture in Romans. It says, faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. You know, a lot of people say, well, I haven't got faith. I haven't got, well, get it. <laughs> this says you can get it. It's alive. Faith is alive. You know, my daughter, um, this, it's just recently we've had the confirmation, but a few, probably a couple of years, no, about 12 months ago, we were watching something on the telly with Derek Prince, we were watching one of his talks, and at the end of it, she said, you know, Mum, he said there that sometimes if you have a bad back, it's because one of your legs is shorter than the other. She said, I want you to pray for me because it's going to grow. I thought, oh, right, okay. So she sat down without a word of a lie, held her feet like that, and we both went, oh. her leg grew in front of our eyes. It literally grew. And anyhow, recently she had a, they have like a medical every year at where she works. She said, mom, praise the Lord, I've just had my confirmation, I've grown two inches. <laughs> the word was in her mouth. We had another lady, and this is a number of years ago, and I don't know why, but the Lord's put it there, I've got to speak it. And her name was Angela. She was an 18-year-old girl. Her, her sister, she lived down south, but her sister used to come to our church. And she said, Susan, my mum said, she believes if you pray for Angela, she's going to get out of her wheelchair. <laughs> we were like, oh, um, right, yeah, bring her, yeah, bring her along, you know. And I have to say, she, we were a bit daunted by it. And, well, it drove us onto our knees in, in fasting and prayer. Lord, what, what, you know, if she believes this. What if it doesn't? No, I'm not even going to entertain it. We're going to believe in the word of God. Well, God gave us a word of knowledge. In fact, I just wanted to say to that youngster who gave that word before, really believe the Lord has given you that word of knowledge and keep with it. Praise God. Um, he gave me a word for this young girl and I'm thinking, yeah, I know the family, Lord. I'm not sure. Anyhow, we started praying for her and nothing was happening. And then I thought, I've got to say this word that Lord So I said, well, the Lord showed me your dad was a Freemason and he was Jewish and it's brought a curse on your life. The mother pipes up. Yep, he had different dads. Yep, that's right. Okay, so we broke it. We broke the curse over her life. She went out of our house knowing God had touched her but was in the wheelchair. But three days later, she walked up a mountain in the Lake District. And a month later, she was working for London City Mission. Because the word didn't depart out of her mouth. She knew God had given her the word and she believed God had touched her there and then. But it was three days later. Now, I, don't ask me to explain. I don't know. Happened to a postman recently, came to our house. And for some reason, my husband shouted, Susan, come and pray for the postman. And I thought, well, why don't you pray for him? He said, he's got a bad knee and I've told him if you pray for him, he's going to be healed. And I'm like, no pressure, like. 
don't even know this man. So I said to him, well, I have to say a little bit first. And so I told him the gospel. And I said, you know, it's Jesus Christ who will heal you. I said, it might be my hands, but it'll be Jesus who heals you. Are you happy for that? He said, oh, he said, I come from Czechoslovakia. We'd never heard about God. And he said, oh, the hairs on my, my arms are going up. I said, well, it's up to you, but I'll only pray. And, and I might pray in another tongue. I said, this is the funny thing. The church gets hang-ups about this, but the world doesn't. He said, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so I prayed for this man's knee, and off he went. Well, of course, then the doubts come in, doesn't it? And the enemies, and we went away on holiday for a week. And all week I'm thinking, Lord, what if he doesn't get healed? And the Lord said, suddenly stopped me in the track, said, Susan, who heals? I said, you do. He said, well, stop it. I've healed him. That's fine. So I got my Bible out ready for when he come back. So he come back. I said, so? He went, Tuesday, he said. He said, I'm going like that. No pain, he said, it's gone. I said, well, I've got a gift for you. I've got the word of God. I said, take that and read it. Do you know he was only on relief? He didn't see him again. <laughs> God's amazing. God is amazing. He keeps his promises if we step out in faith. But let's never touch the glory. Let's make sure it's Jesus we tell people about. So that's the next thing. Meditate on the word, speak the word, and then fourthly, act on the word. In James 1.22, it says, Do not be doers of the word only. Sorry, do but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Faith has legs, folks. And if you're going to believe him, you've got to do something about it. And the Lord reminded me of a testimony when we started our church in Freckleton. We started, I think I told you, we started me, Neil and the cat. So we didn't need a very big room for that. And then as it started to grow, as people got saved, baptized in the bath, we started outgrowing our little bungalow. And so we come up and great faith, Lord, we need a detached house so we can make as much noise as we like. We need a big garden for outreach, barbecues. We need this. And we got our little books out and decided we, I mean, it seems silly now what prices are, but we had 33,000 that we could spend on a house. Well, we started looking at the houses and we got a bit down really because we're thinking we're not going to get what we want for the church. Anyhow, we left it with the Lord. My husband comes in one day. I found it. I found it. Brought in this paper. I've been to the. I've been to Lytham uh, Estate Agents. This is our house, Susan. Oh, I said, let me have a look. I looked at the top, fifty-five thousand. Oh, Neil, don't do that to me. Don't do that. It's a perfect house, but it's fifty-five thousand. What do we do? What do we do? We used to have an old settee in our room, and all our big decisions were made kneeling down by that old settee. So he's come on. We'll pray. So we knelt down by the settee. Lord, is that the house? Yep, that's the house for us. Looked at the back. We can't afford it, Lord. It's the house for us. It was being built. It was a new house. So we went down by faith and put our deposit on and said, we want the house. And then, of course, again, the doubts come, don't they? And then the mothers and the mother-in-laws, how are you going to afford that? Can you afford that house? And I'd go to say something, and the Lord was really clear. He said, if you say you're going to struggle, you'll struggle. He said, if you confess that I will supply all your needs... I will supply all your needs. And I tell you, it was a fight because sometimes I'd want to say what our finances look like. And people would say, how are you going to... The Lord will supply. He's promised us he'll supply. Now, we moved into that house by faith. Uh, our wages went up with no carpets, no curtains, but we were in the house. We got the house God wanted and God used that house mightily. We had a lovely long lounge. We used to take the furniture out. And we'd have these meetings, bring the chairs, the benches out the garden. We had barbecue outreaches. The Lord, the Lord never let us down. 
And when we needed the money, it came in. We didn't have it when we put the deposit, let me tell you. And I was a bit, ooh, do we, don't we? And I actually felt about your church this morning when I was thinking about that testimony. You know, there's going to come a day pretty soon where you're going to have to step in the water. And maybe it's a field you buy, maybe it's a building, but you're going to have to step out by faith. God will say, that's it. And you'll think, but Lord, that's it. Get ready. Joshua says, get ready. And then in verse 8 of that, oh, it's gone off. It says, the Lord gives a promise. If you do all of the above, what's going to happen? You're going to be prosperous and you're going to be successful. That's his promise to us now. If we're willing to step out and reach out for those promises and say, Lord, they're not there now, but by faith, I believe I will come into that promise whether it's finance, whether it's a husband, whether it's a child, whether you've got a wayward son or daughter and you've brought them up in the way of the Lord and they're not living that way now. Let me tell you, the Bible says, bring a child up in the way they should go and they will not depart. So you're saying to me, yeah, but they have. Yeah, at the moment, but they're not dead yet. As long as they have breath in their lungs, they've got time to repent. And one of my favorite testimonies from David Wilkerson's ministry is a guy called Sonny Arguineus. And I read a book about him once and he was a really uh, quite a bad drug addict. And he was in New York and his parents were Pentecostal Christians. Can you imagine the agony they must have gone through seeing their son go from a church that loved the Lord to the streets of New York, homeless, druggy, hopeless? Well, he come under the ministry of David Wilkerson, gave his life to the Lord, went into Teen Challenge, got free of drugs. And David Wilkerson says one day they were going out to a meeting. He was going to give his testimony. He said he opened the door and he went back to the drugs. He said, I thought, Lord, this man, all he's gone through and he's gone back to the drugs. But he didn't stay there. He came back very quickly And the Lord led him into ministry, starting a drug addict's church. Because he said drug addicts have very specific needs. They're a bit lazy. They'll go and steal money, then work for it. So he said they had this church run by drug addicts, ex-drug addicts, should I say, who'd been saved. And he, you might know this, but he basically opened them all over the world. It's a worldwide ministry. I think it's still going now. Sonny Arguineus. If God has promised, how must that family have felt all those years, seeing what that happened to the son. So if you've got a son and a daughter today who've gone way off the lines, God can bring them back. But you've got to believe in it. You've got to use the word. And when Satan comes and says, you failed as a parent, look at your kids now. You were hopeless. What did you do wrong? No, the word says, I bring them up in the way of the Lord and they will not depart from it. I've got a friend who has to do this all the time. She has a daughter that doesn't want to know. And every time she gets down, I say, yeah, but what are you going to say? Okay, so we're coming there. Verse 8, a promise. Why, oh, why do we not follow the maker's instructions when he's promised prosperity and success? I'm going to move ahead into Joshua 3, 5 now. And Joshua said, and all those people who rebelled died off in the wilderness, by the way. So this was their offspring now. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord is about to do wonders among you. Then the Lord gave instructions with a promise to Joshua, and he said, this day I will begin to exalt you like I did with Moses. 
You shall command the priest to bear the Ark of the Covenant. And when you come to the edge of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan and the water will go before you. Now, what do you think would have happened if Joshua got, and this is so pertinent to a testimony we had. Do you think he'd have entered that promised land if he'd have said, but Lord, there's no bridge across that River Jordan. And by the way, it's not just the River Jordan, it's flooded. It tells us in the Bible, it's floods at this time of the year. So it wasn't just in front of him. How many circumstances do we have that look flooded? Yeah, and does it put us off? Shouldn't. But he said, I'm going to open that way. So by faith, he took his leaders and he said, we're going to go tomorrow. The priests are going to step in the water. It's going to part and you're going to cross, not on muddy land, but on dry ground. Now, this time, those leaders didn't question it. They, by faith, went. And they reckon there was probably about 40,000 men of war, because it was the men of war went first who crossed. So it was quite a bit. Then it tells you how far the Jordan went. And it's approximately 20 to 30 miles and about three miles across. And they went on dry ground by faith. The Lord opened the way. I'm going to finish with this short testimony. When um, Neil, he brought us all down to live in Spring Close in Killsby. We were living up north. And, you know, the first couple of years was great. And then he got news they were making him redundant. We'd moved, we'd moved everyone. We've got rid of everything, Lord. Well, we'll go out on our own, which we did. The Lord said, yeah, I want you to start your own business. First year, fantastic. The second year, it just, due to circumstances and everything around it, it went down and down and down. And we were looking at one point, we we're going to lose everything. And I mean everything. And I thought immediately, what do we do? Oh, right, Lord, I'll go back into midwifery. Now, God had already said that I'd finished in my life, that I was doing something different. Oh, no. I went to have an application in Warwick, got the job because they saw my CV. Oh, yeah, we want you. Yeah. When can you start? Oh, I can start as quick as you want. Come home, went for my medical, got passed, got home. And I suddenly thought, oh. I haven't got my registration. I'll let my registration go. So I ring up the RCN. Oh, I just need to get my registration. Said it. Oh, we've changed the rules. It'll take a year for you to go back into midwifery. Well, I tell you, my reaction was very strange. I laughed my head off. I laughed my head off and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. This is me again trying to fix it as usual. And there's no safety net. And I got like Hezekiah. I got me accounts out and I said, this is us. We've got Two and a half months left, and then we lose it all, Lord. You're going to have to do a miracle. You're going to, and the, at the time I was in a Bible study, and we were going through Joshua. So this is very special to me. We had a certain amount of money. It was only going to last us two and a half months. So then the temple, well, don't tithe. You need all the money you've got there. No, I'm going to tithe. And we tithe through that. And it meant we had two months left. And if you know anything about training in a business, the lead time is usually about six weeks. The payment time can be anything from six months onward. We were getting desperate. Neil suddenly said to me, I think I'm going to write to this guy that I knew in BA Systems. See if he wants a project management course. You never know. It's our last throw of the dice. Sorry, the pun. Um, he wrote to him and he said, well, Neil, we do need project management, actually. But he said, we don't know you as a project teacher. You know, we don't know whether you'd be any good. But he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you one course. And if that goes well, we'll see. So the one course was in the January. Um, our money was about to run out in the January. We'd cancel Christmas. And we were praying, let me tell you, because as I say, usually they take a long time, especially if you're a new customer, to pray. 
uh, to pay you. That money, I always get emotional at this, came in on the day the last penny went out of our account. That's how close it was. But it doesn't matter how close it was. God is faithful. God is faithful. I want you to get this in today, brothers and sisters. If God has made a promise to you, if you are in a sticky situation right now, don't go to the world for advice. Go to here. Do what it says in here and watch that Jordan part before your eyes. Now, we had a few other occasions, and it was for bigger stakes, if you will, going on from there. But we never worried after that experience. We knew no matter what, our faith for finance after that never failed because it really, truly was a miracle. Everything about it. But we had to step in that Jordan. We had to say, no, Lord, I'm not going to not tithe. I'm going to keep giving, even though it makes it go less of a time we've got the money for. Brothers and sisters, he will part that Jordan for you. But he's not going to do all the work. You've got to grab hold of the promise he's given you. And you've got to stand on it with all your might, whether you're desperate or not. And you've got to declare the word and say, I believe. Now, we started with mentioning that film, The Breakthrough. And one of the things in there, the mother wouldn't allow any, I mean, she was a bit vicious at first in a way she did it, but she wouldn't let anyone speak about the fact he might die or that he'd be a vegetable for the rest of his life or that this might. She said, no, around my son, you're going to believe God's going to heal him. He was a miracle. I won't spoil it because I want you to go away and watch it. But she saw a miracle. Why? Because she kept this in her mouth. In her heart, she believed God's word rather than the doctor's report. And the doctor came to her at the end and said, this is all the facts. Your son's a miracle. He's a miracle. Now that miracle you might need today might be financial. It might be a child. It might be you've been barren and you're desperate for a child. It might be you're single, desperate for a husband or a wife. It might be that inside you were abused as a child and you can't get over that. It's a block and it's stopping you getting closer to Jesus because you feel unworthy. You feel rubbish. You feel dirty. You blame yourself because a lot of abused people do. And I don't know why I'm getting into this, but maybe someone needs to hear this. But if we went back to Romans 8, it says that Jesus, that God, he foreknew you before the world began. He called you. He predestined you. So no matter what's in your past, doesn't have to be in the present or the future. Whatever you've suffered in the past, Jesus paid the price for. But you have to step into that promise. And I'm not being tough on you here. You can get all the counselling you can get. But you need to come to the Saviour. To receive from him that abundant life that he promises. And he wants to give it, let me tell you. I believe he wants to give it today. I'm going to finish with one verse out of Hebrews 11.6, probably one of my favourite verses. But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he's real, and that he is a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. 
Are you diligently seeking him or are you half-hearted? Because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him with all their heart, with all their might, with all their strength. Are you going to see? Are you going to seek him? Because he wants to bring that abundant life. And I believe he wants to do something today. So I'm going to finish, you know, I will say at the end of anything I speak, it's not about words. It's about we then have to make a declaration to God. So I believe if you're willing, I want us all to stand and simply say, Lord, I believe. Can we do that? Can we stand this morning? I'm just going to give you a couple of seconds to think of that promise that maybe has got a bit rusty because of life. <laughs> maybe you've lost it a bit in all that's gone on. Maybe you think, well, he does it for everyone else, but he can't do it for me. Well, he wants to. He wants to do it for you because he loves you just as much as anyone else. There are no first and second class Christians in his kingdom, folks. He doesn't do for one and not for the other. If you're a parent, you don't do more for one than the other, or you shouldn't. He wants to do it for you today. Whatever is the promise Take a moment to think. And then by faith, <laughs> silly thing I know, but I want you to do, I want you to step into the Jordan this morning and say to the Lord, I believe. Can you do that? Should we do it now? Lord, I believe. And again, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. Hallelujah. Now thank him. 